Hello, and welcome to Why Sports, a podcast designed to highlight the value of athletics as a foundation for any career path. Through interviews with professionals across industries, we discuss the impact of being part of a team, competition, learning to fail, and how those lessons transcend athletics into the workplace. Join us as we explore the importance of sports as professional development while our guests share what they have learned throughout their career. I'm your host, Justin Klein. Welcome back to Y Sports. We are joined today by longtime friend and mentor Keith Jackson, owner of KSJT Insurance Services. Keith, thanks for joining us today to talk about what you have learned throughout your career. Hey, thanks for having me. This is the first. <laughs> well, what I'm curious about as a former athlete who, while we were young, played and competed in anything that involved athletics and ultimately found basketball, but how has your background in athletics shaped your professional journey? So I would say it's done it in many ways. I would say that athletics in general put me here where I am today, period. Just for the way that I had grown up, everybody grows up a little differently. Just to make a long story short, without giving all the details, my parents were on food stamps, so I grew up on food stamps. So obviously we were pretty poor. My parents were on drugs, which is crazy. The more that I think about it, the older that I have gotten, and I look back at my younger self in my life, I realized that we were actually even homeless which I didn't really understand as a kid, you really don't know what that means until you can reflect back and see what was happening. And I was like, oh my goodness. But as a kid, you did, I didn't know. So it just, did, that didn't really affect me as much. But without sports, I don't care if it was basketball, baseball, tennis, soccer, it did not matter. Just to be able to have a ball, to be able to compete in everything, whether if it's against my friends, if it's against myself, if I'm out there shooting hoops or whatever, just trying to make 10 out of 10 free throws or whatever the case may be, that shaped who I am today. And it has helped me and hurt me, so to speak, without having, let's say, the father figure or a mentor when I was a kid. So I, I think now that if I had a person like myself, now that I am 45 years old now, and I've learned so many things also through not just friends, family, coaches, but even my kids. As I'm trying to teach them and try to explain to them in sports, like that's all I really had. So I had to adjust the way that I was brought up with sports to the way that kids are now. And oh man, it's been a crazy experience and I'm constantly learning. And it's pretty tough just for the fact that I'm just such a competitive person and I have my own ideas and I've learned along the way about my own ideas and how I want to present things and how I want to do things. And if you can't explain to me why your way is better or why this is a certain way, you might as well forget it because I'm just not happening. Just not going to happen. That's why I own my own business because I don't have to have anybody tell me what to do. One of my problems, I wouldn't say I was the most coachable person on the planet. And, and the more that I look at the situation, I would say it's because I was by myself. So I'm used to being by myself. So learning when it came to sports or athletics, I found out that was like my family. That was like how I got to network and learn something different than from what I was used to. 
I don't know if that really explains your question. That's no, it's a great foundation. And what I'm curious about is what led you to your current profession, which was a late career pivot, if we look at it in regards to the timeline of people's choices. And now that you're probably 10 plus years into this thing and have it moving in the right direction, but what led you to that career and how did, let's say, the failures that one would experience day to day in athletic endeavors set you up for success in what you're doing now? I've always been an entrepreneur, always. I have my own mind. I have my own way. That's just the type of person that I am. So yeah, going all the way back to when we were in middle school selling correct. sticks that you bought at the store for a profit. <laughs> exactly. Used to go to Nations, used to have my little fake Louis Vuitton, they're back or something these days, little pouch in my little Gucci pouch that I bought for 15 bucks. Go buy uh, Jolly Rancher sticks for 10 cents, fill my pouch up, sell them in class, five for a dollar or a quarter a piece. Yeah, so it started there. So from there, which is interesting when you ask that question. So going throughout my career job-wise, I learn a job. I start from the bottom, whether for, let's say I started from college, I went into selling cars. Mm -hmm. So I learned how to do it, see what it was. Then I found, of course, my own way. So then always been a problem because there's people will show you and say, this is how you have to do things. And then me as a person, I'm like, okay, I'll take what you said, but I think I can do it better. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's just my nature, my desire, my will, or I wouldn't say I got it from sports. The more that I'm thinking about it now, I think that's just the will that I have in my way. And I think sports actually, the more I think about it, it's helped me keep jobs longer than I should have. Let's put it that way. Perfect. Talk about that a little bit. What do you mean? So for instance, at the car dealerships, I usually last two to three, four years. And then I'm like, okay, I'm done. I try to change the way that they did things. Mm -hmm. I found ways to do it myself. And then I finally got an opportunity where I was my own boss within their corporation. Mm -hmm. So once I had that opportunity, I was able to track how much money I made the corporation. Mm -hmm. So, and it was quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So I made them about $560,000 when I was my own boss. And I looked back when I was under their umbrella and had to do it their way. Mm -hmm. uh, it was somewhere around 150,000. So there was a big difference. Mm -hmm. So with that difference, I've always known that I could make something my own. I needed something to be my own. So that's how I went from the car dealership. I tried to do the whole family thing when um, I had my daughter, Jaden. So I was like, okay, I need to go get a steady job, not work commission only type deal. Let me go work for the utility company. So now I'm climbing poles, I'm hanging wires, just something completely different out of my realm. So I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. So I went back to cars and I'm just like, okay, yeah, let me try the car thing. I'll bite my lip a little bit more than I normally do just because so I can get through it. But being in that car business, uh, a friend of mine, that I used to work with at Safeway when I was in high school and college. So I worked Safeway in high school and I also did it through college while playing basketball and all that other fun stuff and going mm -hmm. to school. And he started doing insurance. He was my manager at Safeway, but started doing insurance with Nationwide Insurance. Mm -hmm. Somehow we started talking and I started sending him clients like referrals for when people needed insurance or whatever. And then he used to take me golfing. I was like, why is this man doing all this? And then it finally dawned on me. So I talked to him on the golf course. He's explaining everything to me. And I'm like, ooh, that's a product. That could be my own. And all I have to do is sell myself. 
-hmm. and then just network and branch out. So that's how I got into doing what I'm doing now. And now I have what? Nine employees, or I'll call them agents. I don't like to say employees because I never like to be an employee. So I feel like I enable them to do whatever it is that they want to do. But when they don't do it and I give them the tools to do it, that gets a little frustrating. Perfect. Because it segues into something you said earlier, which was I wasn't always the most coachable guy. And now you're in a situation where you have direct reports, you've built out this structure that has found success based on the recipe and formula that you have put together. And now you need your agents to execute this plan. What have you learned or stolen or gone a different direction in regards to feedback loops, what some people would call criticism? I like to call it encouragement. But in all the coaching you've had over your life as a self-described, not very coachable guy, how have you applied those lessons into your own way of creating feedback loops so that yourself and your agents can reach their potential? So that's a good question. I've really just learned this recently. So it's crazy. The older we get or the longer we're doing something or whether if it's from the kids or from the agents or from my wife or whomever, I'm constantly learning. Mm -hmm. So for the longest, because not the most coachable person on the planet, but I learned to be a little bit more coachable. And, and I can tell you about a moment in that. I think I'm digressing a little bit, but maybe I'm not. Let's go. Uh, was like, so growing up, it was me. I was pretty athletic person, but I really never knew how to play the game or any game, whether if it was baseball, basketball, football, I just used my athleticism because that's what all I had. I didn't have a coach. I didn't have a mentor. What's crazy is that I didn't learn how to play basketball until I got to college. Mm -hmm. Like with you, yeah. you were a big part in my development in my life. That's probably helped me get to where I'm at to this day. It allowed me to push a little further than I probably normally would have got because a little hothead. <laughs> but what's, what was crazy was it, it's, when I came to Davis and then I tried out for the team and then I got to the office where they basically say it's a tryout. So whether if you made it or you didn't make it and I'm sitting and I think you were in there too, folks, Bob, and then sitting down and I'm sitting there. I'll never forget this. He was like, so I'm in a, I don't think he said awkward, but he said it in a weird situation or different situation. And I'm like, oh shit, here we go. <laughs> and this is how my mind works. And this is how it worked. And I missed the whole substance that you gave me later, which I'll get to. Yeah. Um, was that he was like, so you are probably the second best athlete on this team. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. Sweet. He <laughs> goes, but I can't have you on this team. You're not going to fit. It's not going to work. And I was like blown away. I've never been rejected mm -hmm. in sports. It could be any other yeah. thing I really could care less, but sports, yeah. like that was my jam. That was me. Right. Right. Um, wait, what'd you say to me? So that was a big blow, not only to my ego, mm -hmm. but to me as a person, okay, where am I messing up? So I don't know if I digressed. No, it's good. Uh, but it, it was that moment in time. And like I said, I, I owe a big shout out to you for the fact that you still stuck with me after that. We were always friends. Like we met, what, middle school? 
Mm-hmm. Um, nah, elementary school elementary. when you were at the woods and I was playing for Manzanita. That's Old right. Meyer Center. So, so what, what was crazy is, is I've been to every school in the district because of my situation. So <laughs> I forget, like I went to Manzanita. I went to uh, Delray Woods. I went to Ortaris. I went to, what is the one right down over? I can't even remember the I, name. Yeah, I, I've been to everywhere. Mm-hmm. At every single school in the district. But anyway, so just that whole situation at that point in time is one of the learning lessons to get back to what you were asking of how I have to now mentor or coach or train or be a little bit more compassionate and not as straight. I'm a very straightforward person, so right. I don't think we're going to change. And I'm learning still this today to help my agents. And I, 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 okay, so I guess what I've learned is that obviously everybody's different. If you came to me and said, okay, here you go. Here's, this is what you need to do. If you do this, you'll be successful. And if you want to add whatever to it to be more successful, go at it. That's me. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that to my agents and they're just like lost. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, what are you doing? If you just did even 25% of what I'm doing, you'll still be good. Right. So it took me forever to figure this out and I'm still figuring it out, but I'm getting there to, and I think I've learned it more through my kids. Mm-hmm. And understanding how to talk to them differently mm-hmm. uh, because I coach their sports right. and everybody's, you know, situation is different. Yep. Let's do this. I want you to finish that story. Cause obviously you were on the team, you were in the program. We had success. You were able to build lifelong friendships with the guys that were around that we still communicate with. And I want to know from that moment, the mind shift and the resilience that you had to show in order to overcome whatever that initial hurdle was and how you've leaned on that throughout various, I'm gonna use the word failures because we all fail our way to success, but disappointments, speed bumps you've encountered over your career. And if one or two stand out where you now in hindsight can think about, whoa, I would have probably handled that very differently if I didn't have this speed bump during my athletic career. Yeah, so if we want to go back to the the whole cut situation coming back on the team the following year. So in order for me to had made that team is I had to change myself really as a person and how I was to get along with the rest of the guys. Mm-hmm. So the way my mentality was and still is that I'm going to bury you. I'm just I'm going to. This is my goal. So we're here. Yep. We're going to compete. Yep. We can be friends off the court, but right now I'm going to try to take your lunch. That's just what's going to happen. So that mentality, I could still do that in practice. And I think Bob loved that actually. Mm -hmm. I really think that when I had to go back Mm -hmm. and so I started doing more weight training, I started doing different things. I started thinking differently. And then what I had to adjust to was like, I took a year off before I came to Davis and then got cut. So now I'm two years off. So I'm like, off. I'm like, what is going on? It's not the same when you're not competing to get back on that horse. So my senior year, I felt like, okay, like in the middle of the year on, I was like, oh, I'm back. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm -hmm. This is great. But it took a long time. Mm -hmm. But what I did realize and what that did for me is that I found a way to contribute to the team without being what I was used to being. Right. And what that ended up being, I was the defensive stopper. I was the one that like, okay, let's go. You're not going to beat me. I'm going to shut you down. And that's how Bob used me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get to play the championship year as much as I would have liked to play, but I got to play. Mm-hmm. So that was good. And then my senior year, I played a ton. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And I'm still pissed off of that. that I don't know how we blew a 20 point lead, but oh my God, that, that still hurts me to this day. But anyway, that's a whole nother story. So just, so what that has done in my career, it's allowed me to pivot and find places where I could be successful. And like where I'm at now, even owning my own agency, it's allowing me to figure out what's best and what I can do. Let's say if I change some kind of AI in the business or bring in another agent or like how to make that team come together, I'm getting better at that. I haven't been the best. I'm not the best coach. Let me tell you that right now. I feel that <laughs> is very hard to do. Coaching is not easy. It is like one of the most difficult, like at first I was like, oh, I know how to play the game, athletic, this and that. But then when I first had to coach, I think I called you when I was coaching my kids basketball team. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Justin, dude, what am I this is crazy right now. And I know I coached with you at uh, El Camino when I was at SMUD. So I tried that out. And But as an assistant, yep. that was easy. You did all the heavy lifting. I just had to do what you said to do. And I was like, all right, cool. No big deal. I even got to play with them. So it was fun, yep. but being the actual head coach and doing this and doing that, I was like, I want no part of that. I don't know how you guys do that mm -hmm. personally. It's funny that you mentioned that because someone told me on another episode of my coaching podcast, which was as an assistant, as long as you can get your head wrapped around things and understand that when the head coach says, no, it's not an indictment on your idea. It just might not fit at that time. You're, your job is to have a lot of suggestions. When you're the head coach, now you have a lot of decisions and it's a very yeah. different thing. Different. And you are ultimately responsible for those decisions. It's funny also that you mentioned that as one of the adversity situations that you had to overcome because Bob fired me after my first year as well. And then he brought me back. It was like a shot across the bow. It was like, get your mind right. And that's one of the most seminal moments in my life and my career where I had to dig in and turn the lens inward to really see, hey, where are the shortcomings? Why did this happen? And it was really important to my own growth and development. And it's interesting hearing that story and how you were able to bounce back. Now, basketball obviously ended up being the path, but when we were younger, you were excelling in pretty much everything due to your you know, athleticism and grit and determination. But I'm curious, what lessons you learned playing your secondary sports that you've leaned on as you've gone forward professionally? What are the things that you were able to latch on to where, I don't want to say it wasn't as serious because everything was like a death match with you, but it definitely <laughs> wasn't your primary endeavor. I think what secondary sports did for me that helped me in even basketball is that because I wasn't as good because baseball, let's take baseball, let's take uh, football, let's take, even though I did think I was better in football and I tried to play football my senior year as well, but I wouldn't have got the scholarship. So I had to drop that. So that was another situation. Yeah. I wanted to play both, but I didn't want to lose my starting position in basketball. But the reason why I think basketball ended up winning out speak, because all I needed was a ball. Mm -hmm. So baseball, I needed somebody to throw me the ball. I didn't have the nets that my kids have now and the batting tee anyway. And you think about tennis, you can hit the ball over and then you got to go run, get the ball and then get it and hit it over again. Or you hit it up against the wall. It's not very fun. Basketball, you can shoot the basketball and you see it go in the hoop or it doesn't. So I guess what the secondary sports did for me is it allowed me to have camaraderie. It allowed me to see a difference without being just me. Mm -hmm. And then 
because I didn't get to practice as much doing those, I found myself working harder, digging deeper mm-hmm. in order to push myself forward because I didn't have the reps on those types of games. Like I, I don't call ping pong a sport, but some people might, but I could go to the old Myers center and play ping pong. I got really good at ping pong, mm-hmm. like even pool, but even though that's more yourself, but ping pong, you have somebody to play against mm-hmm. even pool. You can, I don't call that sport either, but whatever people do. Well, you used, you used the term reps, which I think is really important. And what I've found both having these conversations and in my own profession as an educator and, and a coach is that the amount of reps you get in any athletic endeavor far exceeds what you're going to get in anything else. So studying algebra and then taking a test every third week is very different than missing a shot, going and getting the ball again and and getting reps until you figure out what to do. And the failure that are repetitive, right? If you're a great shooter in basketball, you're shooting 48%. So you're failing more than half the time. Mm -hmm. How do those reps inform your own approach to your business and how you try to coach your own children, your employees, your agents to understand that, look, a missed rep, it's just that, just get back on the horse. And so how do you use that to leverage learning along the way? So that's a really good question. And you brought up algebra and I'm going to go back and move forward. You're at Robert Louis Stevenson and the person who got me involved in math to pay attention was Mr. Sanuda. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Sanuda, I think his name is John. I don't know. Is it John? Yep. Okay. So John Sanuda, we call Mr. Sanuda as a kid growing up high school. Anyway. But I still call him Mr. Sanuda and I'm 45 and we work okay. together. Oh, you do? Well, he retired two years ago, but I did okay. for the entire time I was here, it was Mr. Sanuda. And he'd be like, no, it's John. I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's Mr. Sanuda. <laughs> so that new, just the way we use this, and I have to take myself back there. Yep. Like the way that he approached me differently than anybody else has. Like I said earlier, and that I'm learning now is that everybody is different and everybody gets approached differently. So Mr. Sanuda, that's now I got a managerial econ degree because he reached me at, a, at that age that it made sense to me. Like the, his approach triggered me. Yep. So now that I think about it, I have to find that approach with my employees or agents, my kids, my wife, family, and friends. Everybody's approach is different. Like they know who I am as a person, but I still have to approach them differently. I can still be me, but the approach, depending on what you're doing, whether if it's a teaching moment or if it's a talking moment or whatever the case is, your approach and how you approach certain people allow them to be better. It allows them to get the best out of themselves, I think. And I thought that my approach in the very beginning, so the stepping stone, my approach was the way I thought. This is it. If you can't do this, you know, the word we always used to use, you're soft. I I approached my kids like that in the beginning. I'm like, why are you so soft? This is crazy. So I still hold on to that mentality and to loosen up from that mentality in order to get the best out of them, even though it might not be exactly what I may want or need, but if it's what I do, then they would be in my situation. Mm -hmm. So they're not. So I have to reel myself back and understand that that's just not them. Mm -hmm. So this is what it is. And how do I maximize the best out of them for what they or who they are. Yeah. 
So that's a learning experience that keeps happening. And I, I can take it back to all my coaches. I can take it back to teachers. I can take it back to what you said. I could take back to anybody in my life that has made a good point mm-hmm. about certain things and how to approach certain people or people in general. That was a good stepping stone to use if I can reflect it at that time. So the older that I'm getting, I'm able to listen a little bit more and speak a little less. Let's put yeah. it that way. That, and, and that's a great life skill, obviously, right? Because if you ever do an experiment like you've been observing and watching, how do we get out of our own way when it comes to accumulating information, right? As a leader, if you go into a room and you present a situation and you immediately share your thoughts on it, unintentionally, you're now shutting down creativity from everyone else because they have to either agree with you or be strong enough to have a dissenting opinion knowing that you're going to receive it versus if we go in and present the scenario and solicit ideas without sharing facial expressions, acknowledging, affirming, and just collecting data, we're going to have a lot more opinions to work from. And that's a good point because I'm learning that though. So that's crazy that you say that because like my first approach, like I've had some agents with me for eight years, nine years, couple for five. And one thing that I've noticed is that in the very beginning, beginning Keith Jackson starting the agency was like, you're soft, real tough type deal. And then I come back to now today, what I've changed so many different things, my approach, this and that. But I see that if I say certain things that they go back to not my new approach that I've done over the last two or three years, but then they get real like standoffish or like you said, if I come in there and I make this statement, they're afraid to contradict and i'm a person if it makes sense say it right i have no problem with it right but i'm pretty fast quick at the lip and i was very fast and quick at the lip back then mm-hmm. so it holds them back and, I, and that's completely my fault uh, that they're hesitant and it's causing them to not be as successful as they should be i think yeah and that's obviously something we learn with age and i think earlier when you talked about being on different teams and on our championship team, the role you played was a defensive stopper, even though that didn't necessarily align with how you had played your entire career. How would you say athletics, and even now as you coach your children's team, because that's still athletics, how being on multiple teams, having different roles, right? Sometimes you're the dude, sometimes you're a peripheral support player. How would you say that plays out professionally, both as a leader and during those times when you were an employee and embracing roles that maybe you didn't love, but you knew it was for the greater good? What I've noticed, especially lately, I I guess the last five years, and I don't know if it's my personality. I don't know if it's because athlete, I don't know what it is, but I can give you a few stories. Yeah, let's go. Let's hear it. Man, when I first, and these are all with kids, like coaching kids. And it's really been my life. But so when I first started coaching my son's team, I got asked by one of the parents to be the assistant. So I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll help you out. I know some stuff. That's when I called you and said, all right, how do you deal with five, six, seven-year-olds or whatever the case was? And then, so you told me, and then I came with a plan. So I started off as the assistant, but I ended up taking over the team. (laughs) I just, yeah, took over. It was just like, there was no, it just, okay, yeah, go ahead. Our, my, my son's football team for his school, flag football team, 
I go to the games. I wasn't a coach. I just sat there and I'm like, why aren't they doing this? I had all these opinions, whatever. And I'm watching, they're winning, they're losing. And I'm like, I'm going to finally show up to the practice because my wife takes some practice because I'm at work or whatever the case may be. So I'm like, I'm going to practice. So I went to the practice, was watching some things, buttered up to the coach a little bit, just started talking, whatever. And I was like, hey, you should look at this. He's oh man, you seem like you know what you're doing. I'm like, nah, I just really have ideas. That's about it. And if you can come help, you want to help, you have time to help. And I'm like, sure. So then I ended up taking over the football team. <laughs> By the way, you may not have realized this at the time, but that was like hook, line, and sinker way to get you involved without you realizing that's what they were doing to you. Maybe. It, it could have been, yeah. I'm starting to see that end of the aspect as well. So even when we're going to like these special councils with like nationwide or travelers insurance or whatever the case may be, is that I always seem to end up finding myself. I have apparently I have very strong opinions and I'm very driven at what I believe. And people either really like it or they hate it. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, the way my whole life has been, period. And it's still going. It's crazy. But I'm trying to adjust. <laughs> yep. So I forgot your question. So oh, it's all good. It, it, it's, it, you start alluding to it, but it's how does your background as an athlete, as a coach of your kids' teams, bring to the forefront the importance of being able to adjust to be malleable, to be flexible, to play roles that may not be what you want to do, but that are what's needed. Yeah. So I guess it, it all started in college. I learned a lot of lessons, not just being cut, making it back, doing this, doing that, playing my part. So I am finding myself reeling back from just the aggressiveness mm -hmm. and playing a part for, let's say, my agent at that time for what I need to play a part of. Their dad just had a heart attack or my CSR just had a double quadruple bypass heart surgery. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, ridiculousness. So instead of just being always just on, there's the other side of life. So playing that part. And I've learned that just basically through my kids. And if I reflect back in college and it's just, it's an ongoing learning experience. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And I think one of the strengths that I've noticed over the years, even if it is not necessarily 100% enthusiastic about doing this role, there's definitely 100% willingness in stepping in and filling a hole when it's needed or providing whatever support you can. I wonder how the experiences you've had in network business at the car dealership with smud now running your own business whether or not you find it easy to identify people who have a background in team sports based on how they behave and they interact with other people versus those where it's clear this person's never been part of a team before and I know the answer is probably going to be a little bit delicate, but I'm just curious how that plays itself out when you find yourself working with others and whether or not you can identify easily background experiences they may or may not have based on how they behave and, and work with the rest of the group. I never really even thought of that. Huh. So I'm looking at my agents. Let's see. Okay. So I would say that out of all my agents, there's two that do not have, 
some kind of sports background, but I never thought of it. Like I can look at somebody and say, okay, yeah, you're, yeah, I can, you can tell, but I never really thought of it. I, that's not something that really crossed my mind, but now that I think of it and then all the people that I hired and fired, <laughs> I, yeah, mo I would say all the people that I fired did not have an athletic background. So let's say this, let's clearly identify they were not fired because they weren't athletes. What yeah, were the no. characteristics that led to high performers or low performers that maybe you can make a connection to having that background or not? Maybe it doesn't yeah, exist. No, I think I can. I, I would say that them not having the experience to either one, play on a team, mm -hmm. whether if they were good, bad or whatever, but to actually physically play some kind of sport. I don't care what it was. You can swim, dive, run cross country or whatever. They just didn't have that edge. They didn't have, now that I'm thinking of it, and this is me just coming to my mind now because I never thought of this. They basically, they couldn't dig deep to do what needed to be done. They were like, I call government employees. So I, I use a different term for them. <laughs> really do. But now that you're sitting, now that you're making me think about it, the government employees are non-athletic participants. All right. So to me, a good, like that's like a person that just, is cool with the nine to five, making a certain amount of money, doesn't really want to push themselves. Whether it could correlate, it could not. I do have two that do not, that haven't had athlete. Actually, you know what? No, she played softball. So I only have one. Right. And she's a customer uh, relations manager. Huh, interesting. I'm in sales. Maybe again, that's something to think about. I also know that at least two of your former teammates from some part of your life are part of your, your group. How did the network of knowing all these people and coming into contact with people that you may or may not have experienced in other avenues of life, how did being in those circumstances broaden your network to both, one, give you target leads for sales, but also two, give you potential teammates and employees in life? Yeah, I think with athletics, the other thing that I gravitate to, like I told you in the very beginning, I have an entrepreneur spirit in just the way that I think in general. Mm -hmm. And I'm a pretty outgoing person. I'm not an introvert. I'm definitely an extrovert. Mm -hmm. And what allowed me to do by being in those relationships with sports, teammates, friends, it allowed me to talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. So and one thing that I learned is I learned how to read people. Mm -hmm. So I can be a chameleon if I need to, even though I can still stay true to myself and adjust to how they're speaking or talking or doing in order to get them interested in whatever it is that I want to be done, so to speak. Yeah. No, I like that. I think what it did for us growing up, we were all friends. We were all teammates. We were all competitors. We went to different schools. We went to the same school. We switched again. And then it became hey, we're going to compete and then we're going to go hang out afterwards yeah. and put that to the side. And that's not going to get in the way of our personal relationship. And that allowed us to live on, let's call it different planes when needed. We could turn a switch. And I think that's always been valuable. So it's funny that you say that. And I can give you an example. It's like Dante Ross. Okay. He does work for me now. He was the star point guard for our basketball team. And we hated each other. Absolutely hated each other because we just competed. We just didn't like one another. And it's funny because I think you were a part of this. You were the one that did this. You made us room together, mm -hmm. if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. and, and he's one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. Like 
we talk about everything. And it's funny that somebody that I found that the people that I have competed against and combated against, I have more respect. And I think respect is huge factor mm -hmm. in how I relate to certain people mm -hmm. and how they are in my world or in my circle, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So that whole situation, is, it, it taught me that, okay, even though I don't like this guy, mm -hmm. I really like this guy, but I just didn't like him because of a competitive thing. So it, it taught me to be competitive. But like you said, at the end of the day, we can go get a beer or whatever, or go hang out or have our kids mm -hmm. play sports or whatever the case may be. That's no, that's a great guess. answer. And I think that's real. It's the respect piece of finding another alpha, so to speak, that has earned one another's respect through being combative to a certain degree yeah. and not letting somebody roll over them. And I think that's important as we find our people. Are there lessons that you go back to in your daily life that maybe were specific to a particular coach or experience over the years? I've always had my athletes reach back out with something I always used to tell them, which is control the controllables and don't waste any amount of emotional energy on things that are beyond your control, but are there things that you reflect back on that you hold tight to the vest that you found yourself saying to your kids or your agents as you coach them up? Yeah. Even to this day, even though I know it, I still try to control the uncontrollables. <laughs> as sad as that, I'm getting less and less, but I, I have found by the uncontrollables that I couldn't control, I have made strides and made changes mm -hmm. in those. Like for instance, at Nationwide Insurance, I was on their regional advisory council. And then there's a lot of things that they throw out, try to do, and I'm always combative. And, and I, I feel like I give some reasonable explanations on why, and I got them to withdraw them. So mm -hmm. it helped everybody over the things. but. Yes. To my kids now. Yeah. They need to not do what I do because there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of anxiety. There's just a lot of, I, I get fired up. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm trying not to be so fired up. I don't know if that's competitive nature. I'm just trying to be more. There's one guy, his name's Paul Canan, and I call him the mayor. So he says what he needs to say in mm -hmm. such a cool, calm demeanor, and he gets his point across. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to learn that. Yep. So that, that's definitely a skill. That's yep. something that you have to work hard to do. You can't really teach it, but you can learn it. I get it. No, 100%. Are there any mantras, though, that you heard over the years, either from teammates or from coaches that you've repurposed in your own way that you can point back to? And it might not be the case. I'm just all, I'm always curious about what actually sticks as a coach that benefits my athletes and students moving forward. So... I think somebody gave me a quote and it could have been you. I'm not sure, but I, I have this and this is just the way that I think in general, just because the way that I was brought up and it's the quote, I don't know who it came from. It says our background and circumstances may have influenced who we are, but we are responsible for who we become. I like that. So that is my biggest thing. I, I don't really say it out loud. But mentally, that's what I hold on to. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't care if you came from the hood. I don't care if you're super rich. I don't care if whatever the case may be, you have one leg, one. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Whatever had happened to you in your past, mm -hmm. you are responsible for who you are, yep. period. So I like 
to my agents and to whoever, I just hold them to that accountability. So I guess that would be my mantra without me saying it out loud. That's how I think. Yeah, no, I love that. And it's, I picked up something recently that I've shared with my own children that speaks to exactly that, which is we are 100% responsible for how we respond to circumstances we did not create. And it's something that with our children being the age that they are, there's often a victim mentality and that's not fair and whatever it is. And it's, yeah, you're right. And too bad. You're responsible for your response to that circumstance. And if you give up that power, you're giving up the power to become what you've become overcoming the obstacles that you face throughout your life. That's awesome. Yeah. I like that. (laughs) All right. Let's wrap up here. You are in a position now with middle-aged children and not middle-aged like 30, between 10 and 18, and you are trying to build them into great people and reach their potential. What would the sales pitch for participation in athletics and multiple endeavors be? And I know you do it, so it's not really a fair question because you're having them do it. But if you had to tell maybe the family friend who doesn't have their kids involved, what would the sales pitch be? I guess my sales pitch for kids to participate in sports is, first of all, why not? What are they doing playing video games? Get your kids outside would be my first and foremost response. This is ridiculous. Go outside. We used to ride our bikes everywhere. We used to play strikeout. We did all kinds of stuff. So that's my first pitch is like, get your kids outside, get them exercising. But when it comes to like team sports, it's like, I guess my sales pitch would be this. Look, if I didn't have sports, I wouldn't be where I am today. Whether if it was to learn how to speak to people, whether it was to have camaraderie, to understand, to network, to have a, a family atmosphere, to teach me certain things to overcome because I wasn't good at this or I was really good at this. And let's say you're really good at something. Now, how do you handle that? Right. You handle that. Are you going to be a butthead about it? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to be like cool, calm, collective and be like, thank you. And you work on it more and get better. Or are you just going to let it get to your head? Mm-hmm. So actually I didn't think about that to just now. Those types of learning lessons, there's a lot of lessons learned for life that's coming to that kid in the future that you can learn from sports and be able to pull from sports to allow them to be more successful people, whether if it's even given back later in life, let's say you are successful, you should give back. So there's going to be people in their life, whether if they admit it or know it or whatever the case may be, that has helped them Mm -hmm. to get to where they are, whether if they really know it or not, like it could be Mr. Sunuda, for instance, teaching me math. It could be the Robert Louis Stevenson, I don't even know what the guy's name was that kind of recruited me to come to that school. Mm-hmm. So that was a big change in my life for my parents and whatever to get that financial aid and right. to be able to go to a school like Stevenson, mm-hmm. please, that got me ready for college. Mm-hmm. So all those little things, even when my mom finally got her act together, I was going to say a different word, and she was cleaning houses in Pebble Beach and we ran across the Anderson family. Mm-hmm. that said, hey, if you can maintain a B average in college, we'll give you $1,000 a semester. So they've helped me as well. So there's a lot of people that I can think along the trail and things of that nature, just from life, from sports. And I think the Robert Louis Stevenson thing was more for sports. Like they needed 
more diversity, African-American black males or whatever that played sports that I don't know what they were doing, but they needed something. Mm-hmm. And Dennis Thomas was a big factor in that with whomever. I can't remember that guy's name. Probably but, Coach Harbert. Yeah, that's him. That's who it was. But I think what you're pointing at and you're identifying here is something that was said on episode one of this podcast, which was without sports, I'm not even in the room. And it wasn't, hey, I'm going to go be a professional athlete. Maybe we all think that when we're younger, but let's say you didn't play sports and you graduated from high school, then what's next? You're still going to find success based on who you are. And I know that, but you're bootstrapping it from a whole different level relative to, nah, I'll just keep chasing this basketball thing. And oh, wow, I got an AA degree now. I get a four-year degree doing this. And it keeps you down that road, even if that's not the case with everyone else. But to your point, you're not even in the room to have that experience had you not picked up a ball. You hit the nail on the head there. If I didn't have sports, I wouldn't have graduated college. Mm -hmm. I might not even graduate high school Mm -hmm. because school is boring. (laughs) For me, it was. Right. I was, I knew I had to maintain a certain GPA in order to play. So that's a good point. That's everything right there. Like without sports, I definitely wouldn't be where I am because I wouldn't have my BS and manager econ. I probably wouldn't have graduated high school. I wouldn't have done half the stuff that I did. So that's a better sales pitch right there. <laughs> awesome. Well, I love that I was able to tee that up for you. It's been fun. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule, dominating the world to record this and looking forward to seeing you as soon as we can. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Have a good one. This Cypress Grove podcast is proud to be sponsored by Delta Wines and Brick and Mortar, our everyday go-to with sustainability built in. Delta Wines are vibrant yet balanced, made to be enjoyed on a special occasion. Brick and Mortar was founded in 2011 and has worked to create the European Wine Drinkers California Wine. The wines are small lot, single vineyard, sourced from Napa, Sonoma County, and the Mendocino Ridge. In addition to tasting good, they also help you feel good with eco-friendly packaging and environmental nonprofit donations from every purchase. Buy online at winesforchange.com. In addition, use the code CONTACTS to support us and get a discount. The presentation is beautiful, the wines are great, and you're supporting saving the earth. What more do you need? Again, that's online at winesforchange.com. Discount code CONTACTS at checkout. Now enjoy the podcast. If you found this valuable, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and give Y Sports and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support.